Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. It's good to be with you. I am uh, with a good friend of mine, Brother Rob Menlove. Brother Menlove, welcome. Thank you. I, I made the cut. Yeah, you did. I'm in. <laughs> no. I'm on a podcast. <laughs> you're, uh, you're fun to be with. And, and those of you that are uh, listening are in for a treat. Brother Menlove, uh, I've known for my whole time in seminary and institute. In fact, I think the first time I really knew you was when you were throwing rocks onto our cabin in the middle of the night to scare us. <laughs> Uh, Claim it or don't. You know, a little bit of nonsense now and then is often relished by the wisest man. So I thought there was a Bigfoot outside my cabin up in Altura. But. Uh, it just turns out it was just a big mouth. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, I'm excited to be with you today. Uh, we're up here in Emmett, Idaho, which is outside of Boise, 20 minutes maybe? Yep, a little like nor that. northwest of yeah. Boise. And uh, get, to, get to be with Rob. We don't get up here very often. In fact, nobody gets up here very often to see you, so... Uh, I was uh, excited when you accepted the invitation. Uh, you just a, a unique uh, personality, and I love just the way you approach things. And excited to be with you here today. Thank you. I'm a, truly this is a privilege. I'm, I'm really grateful. Well, excited. We're, we're excited to have you. So, give us a little introduction to you, um, and then uh, we'll jump in. So, introduce us to you. Who are you? What should we know? What do we need to know about? Brother Swanson, I like you said. I uh, I just started in my 28th year teaching yeah. seminary. Yeah. And uh, the last 17 of it's been here in this Emmett. It's a little sleepy, little cozy little town. Yeah. Uh, the Payette River runs right through the middle That's of it, right. and uh, right. and it's just a fit for me. I just love it. It's a, it's more of a kind of an agrarian lifestyle, mm -hmm. and the kids here are a little bit different. They yeah. they still work the land, yep. and uh, that's getting more and more rare. Salt the of the earth kind yeah, of kids. Yep, yeah. and, Pretty fun kids. Yeah. I, I sure enjoy them. Yeah, good group. Good, good, you can, good you can group. tell just coming in that uh, <laughs> when I walked in today, there were a couple of kids out in the out in the foyer having a disagreement about the one boy's pencil. He, somebody took the other boy's pencil and, and they just handled it in a pretty manly way. It was just <laughs> pretty cool watching There's them. There's a fair through. share of manliness in this, in this seminary. You, yep. you live another uh, 20 minutes out farther than this, don't you? I do. I live in a little, little... Tiny, a little smaller than Emmett, and yeah. it's a little yeah. place called Sweet Idaho, and yeah. it's a uh, beautiful area. Yeah, we really, really, really the like it. Yep, we're we're happy there. Well, we're we're grateful to have you, um, and again, grateful to to take some of your time today uh, up here in Emmett. So, uh, let's jump in. Where where we're going to be in First and Second Thessalonians today. Um, and just in our conversation before we hit record, um, I think we've got some really exciting things to do and uh, cool things to talk about. Very applicable, I think, to our, our current life and what's going on on Earth now. I hope so. I, I think I see some things that are, yeah. that are going on now that yeah. were happening then. So where do you want to start us? If it's all right, not in First and Second Thessalonians. Perfect. Got to love that. What thing. if we went to Acts? Okay. Acts is going to tell us the story of, of what's going on yeah. with, with Paul. Yeah. So the letters are often what he had to say. Acts is where it's telling us where he had to say it and what was going on. Got it. All right, in Acts chapter 17. Okay. This is uh, in verse 1. Okay. Now when they had passed through Amphilius and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Now I've heard it pronounced lots and lots of different ways. Thessalonica, Thessalonica, mm -hmm. Thess uh, probably Thessala no matter <laughs> is the, the truth of it. But where it is is kind of an important thing. Okay. That does matter. Okay. So that body of water right between Africa and Europe, okay. that's the Mediterranean Sea. And you can always see the little boot of Italy right. which sticks out. That's the landmark. Yeah. Turkey's got its big thumb yep. sticking out there. But there's that little bump on the north side of the Mediterranean Sea, that's an important piece of land. Mm -hmm. That's Greece, mm -hmm. all right? So Percy Jackson fans ought to be perking up because <laughs> that, that's Greece. And, yeah. and so at the end of verse 1 when it says uh, Thessalonica, where it was a synagogue of the Jews, yeah. we ought to start thinking, why is there a synagogue of the Jews 
in Thessalonica. Right. It's yeah. a long way. By the way, the city's still there. Today it's called Thessalonica. Yeah, yeah and, and pretty pretty neat spot. But it, is that the capital of that area? At the it's time? not. Okay. Nope, nope, nope. It's all about Athens. Yeah, okay. Athens, and it's not far from Athens. Okay. This is still okay. on the Aegean Sea. Cool. And that's important. Okay. Because Athens is the birthplace of, of modern thought, yeah. of, of modern democracy. The sure. idea of what if we let people make decisions about yeah. their life. That's yeah. a brand new thing. Yeah. yeah and that's going to tie in here today, too. I right? think it does. This is, this is Alexander the Great. We're, yeah. And we're 300 years before Jesus is even born. Mm -hmm. This idea comes along. They're going to call it Hellenism. Okay. That we need to take this enlightened view to the rest of the world. Yeah. It's not only good enough to have it, we're obligated to, to take it yeah. at the point of a sword if we have to. Yeah. And, and Alexander goes and, and conquers much, and, and that's what's going on okay. even 300 years later. That's the world Jesus is born into, is, is a Jewish people trying to stay Jewish right. in a Hellenized world. Yeah, where they're trying to force religion. Yeah, um, for those that are listening, um, in December, Brother Knight and myself, we've already recorded a couple of episodes. Um, we're gonna do kind of in between the, old, the New Testament and the next year, uh, we're gonna do some um, apostasy episodes. And he gets detailed about Hellenism and kind of how that, uh, how that comes about and the, and the details about how they were working that out. So stay tuned for that. He's the guy discussion. for that job, too. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he loves the apostasy. Yeah, he really does. More than he loves the restoration, I think. I have <laughs> a little nickname for him. Sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Call him apostate, <laughs> apostate knight over there. He's going, anyway, all right, we're on to verse keep, two. Keep going. And Paul, as his manner was, he tells us something about Paul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, went into them when three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. This is the message of Paul. Okay. It's all about the resurrection. Yep. If Jesus came back to earth, then everything that he set up has to be real. Yeah. It all hinges on mm -hmm. the resurrection of him. Mm -hmm. And that's why we see it so much. Mm -hmm. He's constantly mentioning Christ again risen from the dead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good, good. And that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. Now, I don't know what your experience is, Brother Swenson, but I don't mess with the chief women. Nope, no, not a few of them. No, no, and especially <laughs> if it's not a few. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's neat because he starts in the synagogue. Yeah, sure. But he's also now, there's Greeks that are listening in. Yeah. So the Hellenized people are, and you're going to see that conflict throughout Paul's letters, yeah. where he's t constantly dealing with former Jews trying to deal with Jewish Christianity right. yeah. <laughs> and Greek new to Christianity and, and they're pointing fingers at each other saying the other two aren't good enough. Yeah. yeah okay, okay. Yeah, good. But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. Mm. They call him the Brute Squad. Yeah. Yeah. And gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. The Brute Squad's causing all this trouble. Let's find these guys. Let's, let's, they need to, they're causing trouble. We're going to, it's kind of funny to me how much trouble people cause stopping people from making trouble. Well, and, and yeah, and I might just pause in that, that, that isn't it interesting when, uh, we were just talking before uh, we hit record about uh, somebody that we know who uh, has left the church and has really uh, devolved to the baser things in life and has gone towards um, foul language and substances and just things that um, make that person a harder person, harder um physically, harder emotionally. And, and isn't it interesting that these who didn't believe but claimed Jewish faith, right? They claim to be highly religious. So much so that they're not believing this new doctrine about Christ because that would mean a change in their religion. That what do they do? Well, they go, they gather those hardened types to, to be that because they can't do it. They, they, can can't, they can't go act yeah. like that. I'm, yeah. I'm, that's not comely, right? But but I can go get this group of people to do it for me, and then I'm not in the wrong. Right. They're in the wrong, right, if, if it goes that way. And dang it, we're going to turn this city upside mm -hmm. down 
and find those guys that are causing all the trouble. Yeah, the Greek where it's caused a bunch of trouble. Yeah, the Greek stop. translation of the lo word stop. lewd is just a cross reference on it. Is wicked, evil, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's these are bad people that they get to to be rounded up to go cause problems. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Word of verse 6. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Hmm. These guys are trying to change everything. They're, they're, putting, they're turning too. the world upside down. Yeah. And you know what? Truth be told, it's not Paul who's turning the world upside down. Right, yeah. It's Christ. He. Yeah, he yeah. actually did turn the yep. world upside down. Paul's just his mouthpiece. Yeah, yeah. And, and Christ's doctrine really does change things. Yeah. The idea that we live after we die, yeah. that truth gives purpose to the meaning of life. Yeah. That there's now a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's big. Yeah, that, big. That's big. Yeah. That's big. I love <laughs> that. turned to come to turn the world upside down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's uh, guilty as charged. All right. On that one, so that's what that's what's going on. Paul yeah. runs for his life. They they leave. They leave behind this Jason that's going to be a local leader. But Paul Paul leaves, and and to get away from the brute squad. Yeah, and maybe just in seven. Just I think you actually put me onto this. But seven, I think, is how far they're willing to go. Uh, these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. Right. Like, they're willing to go to the, effectively the president of the United States and say, someone is claiming more authority than you, right? Like, no, that's not what is actually happening here. Someone's just claiming God exists <laughs> and Caesar's subject to him, right? And, the, and the, that Caesar would be subject to anyone was so offensive back then. It's the way that the Jews roll, you yeah, know, it, they, they are always... Played that political game. Uh-huh. Let, let's tattle to the big boys, the heavies, and say, hey, these guys, this guy's trying to overthrow you. Yeah. And they're like, huh? What is it? Yeah. So that's, so that's in Acts, right? So tell me how... That's Acts so 17. So Acts that's is in... Sorry, Paul's in uh, Thessalonica at the time. And then he leaves, he leaves to write these letters. Yeah, later. and actually goes to okay. Athens is where he goes. Okay. He's, okay. He goes to the heart of the lion and, yeah. and, and goes there. But that's when it, that's why he's writing letters is because he's saying, hey, I didn't really get to say goodbye. And, yeah, sure. and, uh, and I've heard a couple of things. I just wanted to... To, to check in with you guys. That's yeah. that's the point of those. And this is early on in the, this letter. This is probably the first letters that he wrote. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's not the 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 letters of Paul. The Pauline epistles aren't in order of okay. when they were written. Yeah. They had to organize it somehow, and the best they came up with. Let's go from the biggest book down to the smallest. Oh, really? I didn't that, know that. That's why. That's really Romans comes first. It's the no longest. Kidding. Yeah, that's. The, well, I knew that about. And you got to do. Yeah, I knew that about the book of Revelation that it's not chronologically correct no, to be last. But no. I didn't realize that the Pauline epistles were just by size. That's yeah, we can do alphabetical order. What do you want to do here, guys? And they went with size. And, You'd think that chronological would have made the most sense. But, it it yeah, would. Size. Yep. <laughs> Whatever. Interesting, interesting. So, first, first uh, Thessalonians. Then, uh, take us in. Where, where do we where do we start? Everybody's excited about general conference. Yep. Right. Right. As we should be. Yep. All the time, but just it is the it is the season. Yep. And Paul's going to mention it. Chapter one is is a very uh, he's he's greeting them as he always does. Do, you know, he's he's yep. want to to gush on them and yep. tell them you're doing a great job. I hear great things. My blessings on you. Prayers, prayers. Right, right. Grace be with you. Yep. Loves to mention the word grace in the terms of, uh, let me impart a blessing on okay. you. It's like he's praying. Okay. Then in chapter two, he, he kind of gets going. Let's skip all the way down to maybe verse uh, 14 and 15. Chapter two? Yeah. Okay. Brother Swenson, are you up for a read? Yeah. Uh, chapter two, verse 14, First Thessalonians. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So he's got to be talking to a group of people that aren't acquainted with Judea. When we say Judea, that's Jerusalem. We're yep. talking about Israel. That's, yep. So he's talking about those people to a people that might not understand that part of the world. Okay. And he says, you know what, the, the saints there, the Christians... They're suffering too. Yeah. I know that your faith is causing trials in your life. You're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. For also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, that's, even as they have of the Jews. That's the deal. Okay. Uh, who both, so speaking of them, right, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please not God and are contrary to all men. 
So he's going to mention, of course, the killing of the Lord, mm -hmm. but he also pulls into it the prophets. Mm -hmm. It seems to me, as I study history and the scriptures, you can measure a people by the way they respond to the prophets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People that embrace prophets, they flourish, they prosper yeah. in Book of Mormon language, and those that, that, that don't, they persecute them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah their lives take a turn, don't they? It does. <clears throat> Man, and... and I didn't intend to bring this up so often, but but what we see in those that have fallen away is true too. As soon as they stop sustaining and supporting prophets, even on an individual level, not not only a nation, but individually, we start seeing uh, lives kind of crumble. And and while they might claim more freedom to go out and do whatever they want and happiness found there. Um, the reality is, is all of those, I'm doing air quotes, freedoms uh, really cause um, imprisonments between addictions and uh, causing family strife and problems. Those, those all, those aren't really freedoms when we're looking at an eternal perspective and what we're supposed to become. It's, it's the adherence to those statutes that grants freedom. Yeah. It's really, it, it's, it's the the beauty of the irony of the gospel of Jesus Christ yeah. that so often if I obey, I'm, it leads to complete freedom. Comfort and freedom. I think often about commandments and, and how sometimes in life, especially when we're teaching youth, they tend to see the commandments as restrictions. And, and it, I love the concept of driving down the freeway and all the painted lines. Like, yeah, they restrict you, but they make it so that you don't have to think. You just cruise control and you can go 75 80 miles an hour down the freeway and not even worry because everybody's going to stay in their lane they're all going to nobody's going to be driving in the oncoming traffic because those lanes direct you in how to stay safe and what to to keep you on the road right if can you imagine driving on a four lane freeway with no lanes on it it would be <laughs> chaos right I've, I've traveled around the rest of the world lines on freeways is that's unique to the United States. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it really just creates concern, I think, within us when there are no boundary lines. And, and so I think if the more we can look at uh, those commands, those instructions as guardrails or painted lines on the road, yeah, you can go across them. God allows your agency to do that. Um, but but that doesn't necessarily, and you're free to drive across the plains, right? And get off the freeway and drive Whatever across the dirt. Yeah. And and yes, you have the freedom, and you can go get muddy all you want. But to get to your destination, you need to first stay on the freeway and then stay within the lines, so you can actually get there. It's the you know when are you excited to see a police officer? Yeah. Well, if you're speeding, if you're breaking the law, yeah. it's always you never want to see the cops yeah. around yeah. when you're in need. They're kind of handy more. guys to have around. Yeah. yeah, it just depends on who's keeping the law. Yeah. Yep. I like this. So he's, so he's kind of tying their experience in Thessalonica back to what the Jews in, in Jerusalem are dealing with. And that, that brings up a good question, too. Who cares where this is or what's about Hellenism? Why, why does that even matter? Yeah. Well, maybe this is why it matters. Paul grows up and, and lives and is trying to work in a world that... It's a two-edged sword. Hellenism has given him a great gift. He can travel. Mm -hmm. He can travel as much as he wants, and we see it. Mm -hmm. we, I mean, all of these journeys, it's hard to keep track of him. Yeah. He's everywhere because the Romans, what they have done, they've built a, a society where travel and freedom of thought is allowed. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's possible. Mm -hmm. This is new. Yeah. This is not many people get this, so yeah. it gives him this great freedom. But the other side of the coin comes along and says it's also giving everybody else the freedom to travel. Yeah. He's not the only missionary traveling around. Sure. He's not the only person with a gospel to preach, some yeah. idea. Mm -hmm. So if you if we're gonna live in a world that gives us great abilities to to travel and to talk and to share ideas, we, we do it. We're doing it right now with yeah. we're creating a podcast right, yeah. that's that allows us to talk to people all over the world. What a what a grand gift that is to be able to, to talk to so many people, but the other side is mm. we're not the only ones using this marvelous medium. Yeah. And it's not the only gospel that's being preached. Yeah, and, and those out there listening to Rob and Matt right now are trusting to some degree that Rob and Matt have some credential behind what we're saying and whether that's as a seminary and institute person or it's because we're just willing to read the scriptures regularly and or it's because of experience teaching the youth or the training that we get, whatever that, that we feel have felt like, 
you know, maybe there's a little bit of a credential we can offer the podcast world. Um, those listening still have to evaluate that and establish, yeah, this is a group of people putting a podcast together that I can have at least a base level of of faith in. But but ultimately, and I, and I, I say this in the intro at the beginning, that this is just two guys sitting and talking about what they see in the scriptures, right? It, it is not what President Nelson has taught or would teach right now. Um, for for our day and what right and so so as much as uh, as much as I want our listenership to grow, I also want our listenership to to recognize that you know what we say is just two guys thinking and yeah it's maybe educated, um, but, but but how do they trust us? Why trust us? Right, right. Why why trust us? Why trust President Nelson? Yeah. Why why should I spend time with all these talks that I just heard? Yeah. How do, how do you know? I think that's Paul's world too. Is is he's talking to a group of people that are probably searching for truth? But how do you know that what we're saying is right? Yeah, yes. And, and they're dealing with it in Jerusalem, like they're dealing with it in Thessalonica. And I would say on Earth, man, I don't know. I, I listen to other podcasts too, and I, I, some of them are fantastic. Right? We're we're living in a time where we have a lot of freedom of speech. We have freedom to travel and to do this kind of a thing. And and I think, what is it that, that this podcast um, is offering that others aren't? And why would I want someone to listen to this and not something else? And <clears throat> we talked before uh, about a podcast we wouldn't want anybody to listen to. And um, just because of, of what it's touting and what it's promoting. But, but at the same time, there, that credential, I think, is important that you, that you have some understanding of the credential. In the class I t- classes I teach in answering gospel questions, there's a lot of time spent on, you know, where where is this source? What's the what's the person's background that's writing this thing? And if it's a disaffected member of the church, excommunicated member of the church from 20 years ago, who's still fighting against the church, maybe that source isn't like the most unbiased source, right? And so, yeah, and like in seminary, we use the phrase all the time, we got to use divinely appointed sources. Right. But there's the... There it is again. How do you know what sources yeah, are divinely appointed? Right. Everybody says their source is yeah, right. Exactly. And, and maybe you and my my argument for why we have any credibility is because neither of us have been fired yet. <laughs> we work for the church so we can, we, and we haven't been canned yet, so, yeah. so at least maybe we're not leading people too far astray. But. You mentioned, too, the, the the opening of the podcast, which I, I, I love, and and would it be audastic to for me to correct the no. host? I, no. I'm so excited to be on, and here we are. And <laughs> I love it. On the intro, you said, two, we're just a conversation between two people who have learned to follow him. Yeah. If I was going to change one phrase for me, I would say, I'm learning. Learning. I'm, I'm learning to follow oh, him. I'm, I'm going to tr- make that change. Well, not that. I'm not I telling love you to do that. that. I'm just saying, this week... One guy who maybe has learned, and one guy who's <laughs> is working on no, it still. I love and that. That's good. That's I'm, I'm learning anyway. But well, as are all these people, right? And as everybody on as, Earth, as, so. as we are, love it. Okay, keep us keep us moving. Here. All right. If we go back into Thessalonians, we we've got the prophets. We can measure a people by the way they respond to the prophets. Okay. True then, true now. What if we let's uh, let's jump into First Thessalonians chapter three? Okay. Here's where we get another common thing that we're going to see throughout all of the letters of Paul. So no matter where he's talking to her, it just seems that he's always got to mention, hey, I hear you're having a hard time. Well, luckily, none of the listeners today are having a hard time. Maybe there's something Life of value. It's so easy. Yeah, We're all you, boy, to I'm, I'm so glad to, to live now and not back then. <laughs> yeah. Boy, those poor people. But like uh, chapter 3, this is, we'll start in verse 3. That no man should be moved by these afflictions. Mm-hmm. For yourselves know that we are appointed there unto. Uh, that, appointed there to unto. <laughs> Lucky us. Yeah, this is supposed to be happening. <laughs> If, if Paul talks about it so much, and it seems so common to so many of those early saints that were just trying, mm-hmm. maybe we can look at this and say, that is part of the experience of the plan of salvation. Yeah. And, and I would expand that, maybe not just to, I mean, here I'm expanding what an apostle said, right? Uh, maybe not just to afflictions, but uh, I think our failings was what we came here to do, right? We were to, I think the plan was come down and fail, 
go have a miserable experience where you keep screwing up and you'd have to learn to turn to the Savior. I don't know if it was painted to us like that then right, or not. not. But, <laughs> but maybe, yeah. maybe it was honest. Look, it's going to yeah. be hard. You're going to mess Oh, no, up no, I want to go. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm telling you, it's really going to be hard. Right. No, no, I'm good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I'll talk to you a little bit later. Heavenly Father, this is hard. Yeah, yeah you don't say. Um. But, but I think that's true. I think that, you know, the afflictions, obviously, conditions of the fall, the, the issues of being in a family, all the, I mean, all the things that, that are we would claim, maybe claim as an affliction. Um, but in, in addition to that, the conditions of the fall that affect us in, individually, right? That, that you and I are tempted, that we, and then we succumb to those temptations. That, was part of the plan. No one's out there doing from something from the that, beginning. Yeah, that God was like, "Oh my gosh, what are they doing? Why are why is that? Why is he doing that? I had no idea he was going to go. He knew everything you were going to do before you came and did it." And that doesn't mean that you were foreordained to come and sin, right? But but it, but he wanted you to have the agency to come down and choose to sin so that you could know the joy of repentance and that you could choose the Savior as well, right? Absolutely requisite yeah. that we come into a fallen world. Yeah. Not just as a symbol of our own fallen condition, but, but as, to an experience it, yeah. it, it was part of the plan yeah. from the very beginning. It, and I think, that, I think it gets easy to get a little wonky in that. One of my students said, just a couple days ago, he said, well, Brother Swenson, what about like Judas? Ju somebody had to come down and and God knew that somebody was going to betray the Savior. Someone was going to sell him into whatever, right? He said, how is it fair that Judas had that assignment? And, and will that be credited to him? And immediately my thoughts went to, what did God do for Judas to get him to not do what he did? He literally put Judas living with Christ for three years. If anybody was going to be able to get him to not make the choices he made, it was Christ living with you, right? I, th I think in those cases, you know, God knew what Judas was going to do. And even in that case, he tried. He gave him the Savior. He didn't just put Judas in the military somewhere and he found Christ and get him, right? He, he allowed Judas to make his choices on his own. I've got a sister that when her children were little, her rule when she'd put the kids to bed was she'd say, okay, you don't have to go to sleep, but you can be in your room. If you can't, if you come out of your room, I'm going to put you back in there and I'm going to turn off the light mm -hmm. and close the door. Okay. All right. And they hated that. They yeah. didn't want that. So, so Stand with the, yeah, with the daughter, she would take her into bed, put her in there. And, you know, a little while later, she'd go and turn off the light because sure. she was asleep. Her son, on the other hand, she'd <laughs> put him on the bed and say, okay, you can, you can and stay, you know, you can have the door open and the light on, yeah. but you can't come out of your room. And she says, I never once in my life did I ever get more than two steps into the hole before I turned right around and picked him <laughs> back up and took him back. And I'm like, then save this step. Yeah. <laughs> why, why not just put him to bed, turn off the light? And she goes, no, no, it's still his choice. Yeah. You know, no, she knew what he was going to do all along. Yeah. Right. But that didn't make him do anything. Sure. She just knew what he was going to do. She just I, knew. I think that's how God is for us, too. I think so, too. And that tr I love the way that that's said. Um, by these afflictions for yourselves, know that they, we were appointed thereunto. Yeah, yep. But, and we can look at it and say, okay, what's the source of these afflictions? The distress. Paul uses so many different words. Mm -hmm. Tribulation, trial, affliction. Mm -hmm. All these different words to explain is it an internal source or an external? Is this coming from bad people being mean to the believers? Mm -hmm. And in this case, it was it was probably that. that yeah. there's, they are experiencing religious persecution. Yeah, verse 4. For, for verily, reason. when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation. It's going to happen. You knew this is coming. You pick up this I mean, faith, you're Paul picking up this problem. Paul knew as soon as he had been converted that people started fighting him. Right? He knew it was going to come from outward. Immediately. Nobody knew it more than, than Paul right. himself. Yep. Yeah. But then, is that the more dangerous kind of affliction? Yeah. There's the kind that it seems like if you look at the Jewish history, yeah. if you really want to have the Jews thrive, uh -huh. attack them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't like that. Yeah, yeah these great studies, uh, stories of the Judas Maccabee. Yeah. And, and I mean, there here comes this outside pressure and... That's when they did really, really yeah. good, and their faith was, faith was strong. They lean on God. They look when at their they're being a, when they're having yeah. external problems. Yeah, you want to mess up the Jews? Oh, just leave them alone. Yeah, give them plenty of space. That's true for me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's the point of the story, is that we have these internal afflictions, and those are the much more dangerous yeah. ones. Yeah. Religious persecution. 
Yeah, we'll do okay. Yeah. We can leave Missouri and go build Nauvoo. We can leave Nauvoo and go build Salt Lake. Yeah. But maybe, maybe mm. today's a little bit more dangerous. The prosperity is more dangerous than the than the yeah. adversity. Right. That's the that's the cycle of the Book of Mormon. Right. The pride cycle. As soon as we're prosperous, we stop leaning on God. We stop looking at our uh, our faith and and depending on that for our day to day interactions with each other. We get prosperous and we start leaning on our own understanding and then the outside conditions come. But the outside conditions, I think, are, are secondary to the internal conditions, right? That we choose to make changes on our own. And in, in verse 5, maybe, uh, in chapter 3, for this cause, so after knowing that you were going to have tribulations, I taught you that before I left, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith lest by some means the tempter have tempted you. So I knew that you were going to deal with temptations, and when I, ha when I had to leave, I was worried about you. And so I sent someone to you to see Timotheus, right? This is the guy that he yep. sends out. And Timotheus goes and sees them having faith, but where is the problem? The problems don't come in because the outside world is attacking them. The problems come in because the inside of them was like, I want this to be different. Yeah. Gonna, I want this to look like I want it to look. And we, they started changing the faith based on their own opinions. And what I see today, uh, we're going to see it in the first, first chapter of Galatians, which we, we've already gone past. But, you know, he says there's been some other people that have come and preached another gospel mm -hmm. to you. And they started to accept it. Yep. So if we're talking about these people are living in a world where information is available. Yep. Today, we've never lived in a world where there's been so much, the, the sum of all human knowledge is always, yeah. always at our fingertips. Yeah. And we're plugged in, like literally plugged in our ears, listening to this stuff all the time mm. of another gospel. If, if Jesus has the right way, Satan doesn't have to have the wrong way. Nope. He has all a the wrong ways. billion wrong ways. Yeah. I don't, I won't have to get them to to think that my way is better yeah. i'm just gonna have it make it confusing to have it hard for people to find the right way yeah that's really interesting and, and i think the <laughs> the word transgression it keeps coming to my mind it's different than sin uh, elder oaks has identified one versus the other and that a transgression is something that is wrong because god has said it is wrong and a sin is something that is morally contrary to what God has asked us to do. Um, and I think there's an, in, there's an interesting correlation there because of what we're talking about here. If I, as a member of the church now or in Thessalonica days, right, am tweaking things I believe because I want it to be a little different, it may not lead me to sin, to, to moral indiscretion against God's law. But it does lead me enough towards the transgression sphere that just like Adam and Eve was not morally wrong to partake of the fruit, but was enough that they could no longer be in his presence. And I think because there's that delineation, because there's that difference, people in Thessalonica and people today are willing to take the doctors of the church and twist them to be their own beliefs, their own thoughts, and say, well, I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe this. And it's not a sinful change, but it's a transgression that changes what they believe, and it doesn't line up with God. One of my students in that Answering Gospel Questions class said, what do I do when I disagree with God? And I, I, we haven't answered that question yet. It's just on our list. We're going to get there. It's a great question. And, and as, question. I've, as I've thought a lot about that question, knowing that it's going to come up, the question really ultimately bounces around in my head that is, will you always disagree with God? And if you do, you won't want to be around him. If you always are uncomfortable with what God believes and what God wants, you won't want to be in the celestial kingdom with him. You will want to be somewhere else believing whatever you want to believe. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the plan, that God has created a place for you. You can believe whatever you want over here. Everyone will at some point believe Jesus was the Savior, right? You won't get to not believe that. Um, well, maybe in the lowest degree, you know, you, you will claim the authority of the, the, the Holy Ghost, but not of Christ. But, but, but I, I ultimately think we will all believe what God says, or we won't be there. Brad Wilcox, uh, in his so landmark talk, uh, His Grace, Grace is Sufficient, is sufficient yeah. holy cow, 
says, heaven will not be heaven for those who have not become heavenly. And I think that's so true. It would be miserable for me to be in heaven if I don't want to be like God. If I'm around him and he makes me uncomfortable because of how good he is, which I think he will, but if my desire isn't to also be that, I will be uncomfortable and not want to be there and it will, heaven would, I think, be a hell. It would be a place of misery if I don't want to become heavenly. Is that uh, like Alma 12, 14, and in this awful state, we shall not dare to look up to our God. We would fain be glad if we could command the rocks and the mountains to fall upon us, to hide yeah. us from his presence. Yeah. I, I get me out of here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I yeah. don't want to be here. Ugh. It's, the, no it's interesting to me that Doctrine and Covenant section 19 teaches us that that the least degree of, of uh, oh, let me get there. I think this is just worth looking at. He says, this is a Savior talking about how um, he asks us to repent so that we don't have to go through the same pains and sufferings. But if we won't repent, then we do. There's a point, a period allotted uh, before, the, before all the end where we're all placed where, where we will have to suffer, verse 16, section 19. For behold, I, God, have suffered these things for all that they might not suffer if they would repent. But if they would not repent... They must suffer even as I, verse 18, which suffering caused myself, even God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain, to bleed at every pore, to suffer both body and spirit. We will have to go through those, those pains, but look at the next verse. And I think this well, is, 15 before that, even he yeah, says, you right. know, how sore, you, you know, know not, not right? you don't understand. Yeah. He says, he says in, in verse 20, Wherefore, I command you again to repent, lest I humble you with my almighty power, that you confess your sins, lest you suffer these punishments of which I have spoken, of which in the smallest, and I think this is key, in the smallest, the smallest punishment you ever feel on earth is felt at the time that I withdrew my spirit. So the day you sinned on a Saturday, massive, dumb, stupid, moral, whatever. And then you show up to church on Sunday and you sit in the back corner pew and you're just head down, feeling bad. Spirit's gone. That is the smallest degree of punishment, I don't know, that God allows us to feel on earth. And, it, and why? Because you and I have until we die to repent of our sins. And so he doesn't give us any punishment that we have consequences of our sins. But the punishment affixed to each sin, you and I never suffer on earth. Christ suffered them all. Yeah. And so I, I don't even know. I know what the consequences feel like, and that's enough. I don't want. I don't want the punishment too. I have no idea what that'd look like. It caused Christ to bleed from every pore. But I feel it at the smallest degree when the Spirit is left. And this is section 19 is given to Martin Harris. Remember, and this this is after they've lost the 116 pages, mm -hmm. and and. Joseph's mother writes about that day yeah. and how they suffered and they, Joseph didn't sleep. You know, I remember he, he travels up there and, and is Martin. This in, is this in Rough Stone Rolling? Uh, it's, it's just, in, no, it's in uh, the history of Joseph Smith by his mother. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lucy yeah. Mack. Lucy right. Mack, yeah. And she just says, you know, Joseph would take no food and he would, mm. could not be consoled. Mm -hmm. I, th I think this is... Uh, Important to remember, too, that section 19 is given to Martin Harris, yeah. and this is after Joseph, and he had lost the 116 pages, and, and uh, his mother writes a history, mm -hmm. you know, Joseph's mother, that, and she talks about that day when Joseph gets back. He's, he's been down in, in Harmony, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. He's back up to their farm in New York. It's a rough they, day. Yeah, they send for Martin Harris. Martin doesn't come. He doesn't come. He doesn't for hours. And then he comes, but he doesn't come in. Mm -hmm. And he's walking around outside, and they're like, what's going on? And he, and he finally comes in, and Joseph says, Martin, have you lost those pages? And and he says, I've lost my I've lost my soul. I've lost my soul. And and he says, uh, and I think I got the quote here. Joseph, in particular, our sobs and groans were the most bitter lamentations filled the house. Joseph, in particular, was more distressed than the rest, for he definitely knew and by sorrowful experience the consequence of what would seem to be to others to be a very trifling neglect of duty. He continued walking backwards and forwards, weeping and grieving like a tender infant until about sunset when we persuaded him to take a little nourishment. Mm. They've suffered. Yeah. They have suffered. Alvin's died. They know pain. Yeah. They've lost properties. And Jesus says, 
how what suffering you don't know yeah. what we're talking about oh yeah. i've had a hard time i've no, suffered and he's like no, no, no. no yeah you don't know and even in this case they're suffering the consequences of acting contrary to god's plan or god's will or god's what he's asked them to do right the consequences are something that we are asked to feel we are told to have experiences with the sickness and ailment and breaking bones and whatever those are consequences of the fall consequences of our action but that concept of Christ suffering for our sins and the punishment that's affixed to every sin, uh, that's, a, that's, that's pretty massive. That's and, uh, it, and it makes this idea of uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, um, where the, that we know we're going to be tempted. We know we're going to fall. We know we're going to make bad choices. The tempter is going to come and tempt us. And Paul is asking... He asked Timotheus to come to see if, what does he say at the end of verse 5? Uh, to see if their labor is by some means, yeah. yeah. Right, like, if somebody, did, uh, did what we do up there fail because they've been so tempted? But then he follows it up too with, here's the, the good news, guys. Yeah. 7 and 8, therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Yeah. Look, we're having a hard time too. Yeah. We know you guys are having a tough go. So are we, but we're comforted. To hear that you're doing well. Yeah. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. Yeah. Skipping down to maybe uh, 10 and 11. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. Yeah. If we're going to be able to come back and help you in your problems. Stay It'll faithful. Be, yeah, and it's going to be through the grace of Christ because yeah. everything is. And isn't that the message maybe we should be saying to those out there in the world that you're going to be tempted, you're going to fall, the outside influences of the world are going to come, but the it, it really isn't the outside influences we need to be as worried about as the inside influences and changes. And if we're willing to separate ourselves from the adversarial temptations from the inside, um, we will be more apt to defend ourselves from the adversarial temptations that come from the outside. Those ones are easy to see. Yep. The inside ones, those are my feelings and the things I want and my own opinions and, and desires and, and that are contrary. The natural man being an enemy to God, right? Th those are things that, that I want. And that's hard to see the difference between what I want and what God wants when it's my feelings, when it's tied to my feelings. That's really tough. I think Paul understands that too. Uh, let's go into Second Thessalonians. Okay. We can see that he sees what's coming. Okay. He knows that this this gift that's been given to this early church, this gospel, this truth, he has the hard understanding that it's not going to stand for forever. Yeah. He's laboring on something that he knows is gonna gonna fail. We talked about Brother Knight a minute ago, yeah. and and how he loves to talk and learn about the apostasy. <laughs> I, I almost feel like I should ask his permission to use Second Thessalonians chapter two. I mean, we're, he's the arbiter we're trespassing of all on his yeah his apostasy, <laughs> and this is probably the greatest verses that we have about the sure. upcoming yeah. apostasy. Let's hit those. This is Second Thessalonians chapter two. Verses uh, 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Ah, gathering. Seems like gathering is always a good word. Yeah. To, yep, if we're trying to help the saints. <laughs> mm -hmm. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Yeah. He's looking forward to that second coming. Yeah. You know, hang in there, hang in there. I don't know what his understanding it was of how far it was, but he sure had a strong He was excited belief. about it. Yes. But then he knew, to it. he knew that these people were looking for it now. They wanted it then. They were seeing it and like, oh, it's being talked about, he's coming back. And, 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 what, and what a good way to live. Sure. If, right. Hey, I'm preparing in case today is the yeah. day. Yeah. What a, what a great thing. But then the famous verse three, right? Here it comes, you wanna read it? Sure. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. It's like those verses in, in Mormon, where Mormon is explaining how he doesn't want to lead the army. They're a wicked right. people. Yeah. He's, But he will, but he knows how it's going to end. It's not going to go well, but yeah, I'll do he it. just, sure, come on, guys, today's the day we go die, you know. Right. And, and Paul, 
this just must have just torn his his well, soul to say, look, there's going to be a falling away first. Yeah. <laughs> and and he, and it's not the first time he's told him. Verse five, he says, I I told you this when I was with you last, right? He's that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. I think I think he had a clear understanding. How hard would it have been to be a missionary back then? <laughs> right? Like like right now, we know if I gather and someone comes and stays, they're going to be here until Christ comes back, right? That the church will be solid and stable and many of the noble intellect will fall, but, um, but th that doesn't mean that we're going to have the whole church fall away again. But Paul knew that very clearly, right? He knew that was going to happen. And yet I'm supposed to gather people to that church that's going to fall apart? I, I, oh. I celebrate and, and actually pridefully take a little credit you know, in the fact that this is the one dispensation yeah. in the history of the world that doesn't end in apostasy. There's only one. Yeah. There's only one that doesn't, you know, City of Enoch people, those guys had a pretty yeah. good go, but, but this is the only one that doesn't have a, an apostasy at the end, and what a, what a gift to live at this time. Right. Do we think it's by chance no. that we've come to Earth now? Is Do we think that the cosmic spin the bottle game God just sent us at this time? There's If you're living today, you're living here for a reason. Yeah. And I, I think if I look at a young person's life, if I'm talking to, to young adults today, I would say the sooner you can find out who you are, and have that identity and let that that direct seeking yeah. direct your d daily decisions mm. when you have that in place of who you are mm. I, I can't think of anything that will be of more value to a greater power yeah. it is you will have an advantage mm. over everyone else you know that'll help you in every regard of your life because you know who you are yeah. that identity I, I really think that's the biggest trial of our of our lives right now yeah. is the lack of an identity of knowing who we are. Right. Uh, I, I agree with you. I, I, you know, I might, I might draw us back to what we were talking before in, in connection with this, that, that that inward feeling is really the things that really took the apostasy and, and grabbed it, it, grabbed hold of the church and took it into apostasy. That it wasn't it was there were no attempts to actively seek to destroy the church from within the church i don't think that was really the 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 reasons of for the apostasy obviously satan was doing that right he was causing people to have wonky thoughts and wonky feelings that would that would force doctrines to be twisted and turned but i honestly don't think that there were people in the church who were active good members of the church uh, who are actively seeking to thwart the church either, right? And, and really, and, and Brother Knight's going to teach about this much more clearly, but my, my understanding of where the doctrine of the Trinity, for example, comes in, 300 years later, um, is that there was a desire to protect Christ. Protect, if, if there was some being that was better than Christ, then that made Christ diminished, Less, mm. right? And so the doctrine about the Trinity really develops because of this defense of Christ, saying, no, he's got to be the ultimate, because if he has a father who he was, who he was second to, he's not the ultimate. And so that doctrine really, I, in my mind, is born out of a belief in Christ that was so strong and so powerful, but Satan took that concept and had those people in a time where they could no longer travel, right? We're opposite yep. time of where Paul's living. Yep. And so they couldn't share those ideas and be corrected because there's no prophetic corrections going on. So we now have these people in far-flung places in a time where the adversary's been loosed and there's no living oracles on earth. And the adversary loosed does not come in from outside. Well, he did, right? The 70 AD comes in and destroys Jerusalem. The, when right? the Romans come in, yep, and thump them. But. but like you said before, that probably caused those Christians to band together tighter, right? And to, and to hold together tighter in their faith. Whereas these ideas and these twistings of doctrines, those were personal. Those were feelings that the adversary allowed to use to turn the church slightly, ever so slightly, for a long period of time until it just splintered and factioned all over the place. So which way are you leaning? Yeah. Is the right. great apostasy yeah. an internal problem or is it I, I external think sources? I think it's internal. So let me, let me read too. you a quote. Ezra Taft Benson said this. He said, the works 
from the Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world would take people out of the slums. Christ would take the slums out of the people, and then they would take themselves out of the slums. The world would mold men by changing their environment. Christ changes men who then change their environment. The world would shape human behavior, but Christ can change human nature. So ultimately, yes, there were outside influences, I think. And I think today there are outside influences. But when we see someone fighting against the church, how quickly do we grasp arms together and we're like, no, that's wrong, yep. right? But when it's inside the church, we, when we aren't letting Christ change us individually, that's when the temptation to apostatize and to turn the church into something that's not, even to turn Christ into an antichrist. To say that Christ would always just hug you and tell you he loves you and bring you into the pearly gates <laughs> is not Christ. You've never read the scriptures if that's yeah. what you think because he corrected and made, right? So we, we, in our culture, we have bumper stickered Christ. What would Jesus do as if he would always just give you a hug? And I think I read a lot of places where he was tipping temple tables over and he was making really harsh corrections on people that were doing it wrong. I'm not sure Paul ever, anyone ever hugged Paul. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he had the ability to be pretty stern. But, I know. Uh, I don't know. I lean towards the inside out. I think that's I, where the I, comes from. I'm going I'm, I'm to go inside out also. Yeah. I, I'm a... I really like explosives mm -hmm. and things that blow up. And, and in an earlier <laughs> part of my career, I used to, I'd bring in a couple of firecrackers oh, into yeah. class and mm -hmm. I would have either a cup of water or maybe a kind of a, a peach that was a little bit overripe uh -huh. or something. And, and I would light a firecracker and put it next to the cup of water or next to the peach yeah. and, and let it go off in class and it would explode and it would make a lot of noise and it might make a mark on the side of the cup. Sure. But but that was kind of just it. It was just yeah. a lot of noise. Yeah. You take a same size firecracker and you throw it inside that cup of water. Get the mm -hmm. good firecrackers mm -hmm. that aren't mm -hmm. that are waterproof, you yeah, know. Yeah. And I mean, it 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 splinters the plastic cup. It mm -hmm. it shoots water everywhere. Mm -hmm. Destroys it. it. Destroys it. You put it inside an overripe peach, and there's nothing left. But yeah. But uh, I mean, uh, it's it's a pit is laying around. I got I got to say what's going on. Yeah. What do we got? We're looking on? out the window, and we have police that just pulled up. And they got three young, four young men standing on a sidewalk, just making some corrections. And Leave them alone. <laughs> Leave them alone. Anyway, that's fun. Badge heavy. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I think you're right. And, and maybe only in Emmett could you blow up fireworks in the... In the uh, well, I said I used to do that. Yeah, I and I should say Used to too. being like uh, earlier this week. But um, <laughs> No, that's not true. Brother Perry, I know you listen regularly. That's not happening in Emmett. Don't drive up here next week and it, check out. It does going. make the point that... that what trouble from on the outside is manageable. Yeah. It's still loud, and it's it's it's, it's you don't want it, yeah. but it's not destructive. Uh, when it gets on the inside, yeah. that's when we find real, yeah. real trouble. That's when it has the ability to dis destroy us. Well, it's maybe why we see um, so many parables about uh, wheat and the tares, uh, the separation, the chaff being separated out. That you have to go in and pull it yeah. out individually, right? Right, I like that. That, that idea that that. It, in the last days, the 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 noble and the the great ones within the church, the very elect, uh, will be sifted. Right, that idea that they can be here with us, and and it isn't until that that rot comes within that it really starts influencing and affecting. And, and I and I don't want to I don't want to dwell on that because I think there's so many more positive perspectives to take on uh, the restoration. But but ultimately, the restoration is. A restoration from an inside poison that has happened for the apostasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The apostasy, for sure. Um, sometimes we talk about, you know, we love to talk about our country. Mm -hmm. How's the country? And That's we're right. always talking about the top. Mm -hmm. How's happening in yeah. north of Richmond? You know, right, and, yeah. and we're and we're talking about what's what's our country. Well, what makes a strong country? But Strong states. Yeah. What makes strong states? Mm -hmm. Strong towns, mm -hmm. strong cities, strong little little communities. Mm -hmm. What makes a strong community? Strong, strong family. families. Yep. Right. Yeah. What makes a strong family? A strong individual. Yeah. The opposite is 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 just as true. What makes a weak country? Yeah. We boil that right down to it. It's if we're not seeing us, if what we're seeing in our country isn't good, I think that's a lot more of a reflection on 
individuals and families, yeah. the interior thing, mm -hmm. what's happening inside us as families yeah. is far more important than what's happening in policies yeah. by the few. I, I really, really believe that yeah. and that's <laughs> well, and not maybe, good news. No, and maybe it goes back to President Benson's statements about how the world would change our circumstance. Right, and government does that. Government's attempts to fix we it can do that, yeah. is like create a new system that will <laughs> fix the problem. Right, I think, but, uh, but we don't look at the the, the actual conflict, which yeah. is personal. Elder Maxwell said, you know, that uh, using government. Uh, programs to feed the hungry is kind of like straightening deck chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> it's all going down, man. What's the point? <laughs> it's just, well, just, just futile. <laughs> yeah, well, I love this. I, I think that, uh, you know, as Paul has written to the Thessalonians here, um, it, again, it, one of the things I love about Paul's writings is as a missionary who was so versed in what the people were taught and then what they believed after the fact, he's just constantly trying to keep the people straight, trying to keep the people understanding what he taught when he first came. And like you said at the very beginning, that that this Hellenism idea has really given them the rights and the freedoms to think for themselves for the first time in a long time. Not that that's bad, but, but where there is a truth, it, it, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you want to believe or want to have true. There is a truth and it does matter. And your opinion doesn't affect it, probably, right? I, I think that is the first truth that I would encourage young people to fix in their mind, is that there is truth. Mm -hmm. Something out there is right. It exists. It's, it's a real thing. And if you make your life purpose to find things that are not just good and not just beautiful, but truth, mm -hmm. if you make that your life intentional pursuit that that's your purpose of life you'll find it you will find it it's like it's like it's like the lord of the rings it wants to be found yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the precious is there you you will find it i have no problem with somebody yeah. saying i'm trying to find some answers i'm really you know questions no problem yep. uh, lack of direction no problem mm -hmm. question lack of direction and no desire to find it big problem that big that's yeah. now we got a big problem. Yeah. yeah, I think that's powerful. So, maybe in closing here today, Brother Menlove, what would you, how would you counsel young people to go about doing that? How would you tell them to go uh, find truth? What, what, what counsel would you give? A young person comes and sits in your office and says, I have a desire. I have questions. I even, maybe even have doubts. But I have a desire. What, where do you send them? Where do you start them? I thank them for their honesty. Mm -hmm. I warn them that it's going to get harder before it gets easier. Mm -hmm. I try and make it clear that this is not a quick process. This isn't a month. Mm -hmm. This probably, this might be years. If, if it's decades, are you still willing to search for it? That's a great question. And sometimes, I don't know why, but sometimes we're talking decades. Mm -hmm. But if it is truth, wouldn't it be worth decades to search for it? Mm -hmm. Is is it worth it? So don't if the give eternal is up. the outcome. Yes, right? if everything is dependent on finding it or not, don't stop until you find it. Yeah. And then how are you going to go about looking for it mm. in a in a myriad of voices? And you know we call it back then we call it Hellenism. Today we call it. The world. Social media influencers. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's so, there's so much out there. Consider your sources. What do you expect to come from the source that you're looking for? Follow the, yeah. you know, follow, what's the intentions? Yeah. Trust the people that love you most, for real love you most. Right. Yeah, I think, I think that that idea that some would feign love by claiming knowledge that you should have. I know something that you don't know, and so lean on me. Now, I say that, and as I say that, the phrase from uh, Elder Holland's Like a Broken Vessel, where he's speaking to the children at the very end, and he says, fan the flame of your faith, and then he gives them the invitation, until you know, lean on my testimony. I think there's a difference between leaning on a testimony that is, you're going to go find it yourself someday, but until you know, lean on mine. 
there's a difference between that and I know something and because I know it, trust me. Right? I think that's the difference between the detractor in the church and someone who's got a child that they're trying to help lean. Right? You just lean for a little while until you get it on your own. That's okay. Um, because I trust Elder Holland or I trust my parents or whatever. Or right? that special bishop you had, your, your parents, or, or something, someone that has your best interest in yeah. mind. But, and if you've not met them on yeah. the, you know, if it's... But someone who's saying... I have had an experience with the church, and because I have had an experience with the church, you don't need to. I know, and just trust me. No. You should always seek to have your own experiences and, and gain your own experience and t knowledge and testimony. I, I can't tell you how many people I, read, I met on my mission who were unwilling to read the Book of Mormon because some minister they'd had read it and told them not to because it was whatever. And, and they just have no reference point because they were just told not to, so I'm not going to do that, right? Why? What what danger is there in searching something and finding for yourself and feeling for the spirit? Right. That right. So much power in finding answers for yourself. And and the you know you asked what where would you send them yeah. if they're if they're searching for for truth? Yeah. I I think that each one of us has not only the the light of Christ mm -hmm. that's gonna help us to feel our way, trusted friends, but use that gift of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. Learn how it works. Learn how the Spirit talks to you. It's going to be different than it talks to everybody else. It's yeah. so personalized. It's a beautiful, personalized God that talks to you differently. Yeah. Learn that language that you speak with them so it can guide you. And and it might just be an oversimplified method, but it will. Yeah. It will. Yeah. It will because it's real. Oh, Brother Menlove, I love it. I, I so am grateful for our time today. I, I just have appreciated this. Um, and just give you the final word today. How about Paul? Okay. We'll let Paul have it. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3. This is his, he's, he's signing out. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always. By all means, the Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul and Brother Swenson, Brother Menlove. Mm with mine own hand, which is a token of every epistle. So I write, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Thank you.